Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Tuesday late. Now, it is unusual, I know, for these two gentlemen to be joining me on a Tuesday night and for a Wednesday posting, but we've got some changes to the Hoop Collective, which I'll talk about in a second. But first, let me introduce from New York City, where he attended the New York Knickerbockers beating the Utah Jazz on Tuesday night, is Tim Bontemps. Hello, guys. It's Knicks 14-2 and two in January. People in New York, very excited. About Don't the do the pod before the pod. Joining us from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where he's on the road. He was in uh, Oklahoma City on Monday night watching the Timberwolves and the Thunder. The entire upper Midwest was unable to watch that game, but uh, <laughs> McMahon was there. That's Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Hey, I know folks missed me in Dallas last night or Monday night now that the pod's coming out. But don't worry, I'll see the Mavs or at least what's left of them here in uh, Minnesota. Yeah, the Mavs are uh, kind of banged up for that game coming up on Wednesday. But the uh, Wolves are in first place. We're talking about that in a few minutes. So we have a little bit of a change. I'm sure all of you, the listeners to the pod, very devoted, were in front of your televisions on Tuesday at 2 o'clock Eastern when the Hoop Collective made its debut on ESPN2, the uh, pod that we recorded on Sunday with McMahon and George Sedano. So we're going to rotate that cast for the show that comes out on Tuesdays, and that means McMahon and Bontemps are going to be out on this pod on the Wednesdays and Fridays. So get used Woo! to it. All right. Listen, okay. I watched I watched that thing on the on the plane on the way up here, baby. It, I mean, that is some high quality television as far as I could tell. Okay. <laughs> so um Bontemps, the the Knicks dealing with uh, an absence of two starters now with uh, Mitch Robinson out with his injury and then three starters. Jason, Mitchell Robinson, OG Ananobi, and Julius Randle. Well, OG Ananobi was out tonight. That's true. But longer term. the last term, two games. Right. Yeah, with Julius Randle having a, suffering a shoulder dislocation over the weekend. They beat the Jazz, as you mentioned, to finish January 14-2. and two. I think it's their first 14-win month since 1994. Or their 93-94. I believe season. since January of 94 when they went on to reach the NBA Finals. Oh. Wait, was well, they were an eight seed then though, right? No, that was ninety. Uh, that was nineteen ninety nine. Oh, okay. Nineteen ninety four was when they played the Dream in uh, in the finals. The that was the OJ. Games. That was the OJ finals. Ah, yes, right. yes, yes. So anyway, uh, Dante Givincenzo with the game of his Knicks career so far on Tuesday night hit nine out of fifteen three pointers. Flat out I, one of the best signings of the entire summer last. You summer. know, you know they not got even him. not even for the full mid level. That's right. They 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 actually. I think to enable them to enter the buyout market, um, they were thinking about it back in the summer. They, it was sort of a full mid-level contract, but they actually gave them a little bit less. It was like, what, like three and like thirty-four or something like that. Or did no, they give them four? It was four. It was four years, but ju- it was just under the full mid-level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, the Knicks are just raffling off, raffling rolling off victories. And, you know, I, I just want to point something out before we talk about the Knicks. As we sit here, and Philadelphia is still playing against the Warriors right now, we'll see how that game finishes out. It's, it's in the third quarter as we're recording this, and it's close. Um, the Knicks were essentially tied. They had one more win and one more loss than Philly, a couple of percentage points behind them. But Knicks and Philly are basically tied, and the Knicks are two games behind Milwaukee in second. You know, and the the Bucks are have a challenging one of the hardest schedules left in the league coming in and dealing with some changeover. Maybe they'll improve defensively. They already had a step forward defensively in 
Doc Rivers' first game against the uh, Nuggets, which they lost. But the Knicks are sitting here, and even though they're now dealing with injuries, they're in tremendous position, Bontemps, because of how great they played this month. And it really makes me wonder, like, what their ceiling is. Forget about the postseason. What their ceiling is, you know, can they get the two seed? And if you get the two seed, now you're talking about a play-in team in round one and home court potentially in round one and two. Look, Philly and Milwaukee might hold on to two and three. But the path is there for the Knicks. And knowing that, how do they approach the trade deadline? Mm -hmm. Knowing that the two seed is right there within their grasp on temps. I just want to read a couple stats before we start, because you mentioned we were talking about the Cavs too. Defensive rating in the month of January. Knicks went 14 and two, have a defensive rating of 104.4, best in the league. Cavs were second, 104.8, went 10 and two in the month. Knicks had a net rating of 15.8 points per 100 possessions. So, so the Knicks played four more games than the Cavs over the 30 Cavs days? Are playing the, Cavs are playing the Pistons tomorrow, so they might end up right, in okay, okay. first in these categories. But the Red of, Hot Pistons. As of January 30th, night of, Knicks had a plus 15.8 net rating in the month of January. Cavs, plus 15.7. Hmm. And as you mentioned, those two teams have skyrocketed up the standings. We'll talk more about the Cavs in a minute. But the Knicks are... Like you, you mentioned, what's their ceiling? To me, this is the ultimate Tom Thibodeau team, and it's the ultimate try-hard team, which sounds like an insult. But really, like the thing that's fun about this Knicks team, watching them on a nightly basis, is you never get cheated if you watch this, the Knicks play. These guys play insanely hard every night. They do, they do everything they're supposed to do. They might not hit shots. They might not win, but you're going to get a representative effort on a nightly basis. It's why the people here in New York, they've always loved these kind of teams. They're a lot like those 90s Knicks teams who were like that. Lunch pail kind of group, show up and grind your way through games. And with the way they're playing, it's it's been amazing to watch, especially as they lose Mitchell Robinson. You go, man, what are they going to do? You got Isaiah Hartenstein, who stepped in the starting lineup, has been phenomenal. Past couple weeks, Will Hardy was raving about the impact he's had on them after the game tonight, coach of the Jazz. Now they've got Julius Randle out. Last two nights, they've had Julius Randle and OG Ananobi out. They're playing Precious Achua at power forward. Next to Hartenstein, he's he's come in and have big games the last couple nights. Yes, they beat a bad Charlotte team. And yes, they beat a jazz team at the end of a very long road trip that was clearly running on fumes, but they are pounding teams on a nightly basis. They're playing great and they don't have championship upside right now, but the Knicks have done a remarkable job of hitting a lot of singles, hitting a couple home runs, getting Jalen Brunson in free agency, and they have positioned themselves with a ton of draft capital going forward with a great team right now that's got a chance to be a top two or three seed in the East, that whenever the next guy comes available, mm-hmm. that's a true difference-making player, the Knicks are going to be sitting there with able to outbid everybody for them, and then they can be a team that truly can be a championship level team. It's and just they'll been be the culmination attractive. of a, that's they'll right. be attractive. They're, like they, you know, they're a team that somebody, a, a you know, superstar X who wants to be traded would see as a preferred destination. You know, because because they are set up to win, and because it is a, a group of guys that you want to play with, and and their their star right now, Jalen Brunson, is not a me 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 guy. You know, he's a guy who, hey, he shared the ball with with Luka Doncic and and went to the Western Conference Finals. He's more than capable of of sliding into the number two role or or you know, and enhancing a, a fellow star. Is Jalen Brunson the best player the Knicks have had since Patrick Ewing? I did not the biggest name. Carmelo's obviously the biggest name. Is Jalen I mean, Brunson Carmelo, the best player? Carmelo, 
Carmelo finished top three in MVP. He's, I, I would say Carmelo was a, probably a better player than Jalen yeah. Brunson. But look, Jalen Brunson is the best point guard the Knicks have had since Walt Frazier. And it's that's really not a debatable statement. Mm-hmm. Like to his signing, like you, there's a lot of things you could say are transformational things. Like that word gets thrown around mm-hmm. sometimes too much. Jalen Brunson leaving the Mavs and signing with the Knicks for both teams was a transformational transaction because of what's followed since then. Well, like, and it's not just his production. His intangibles are essential. The Mavericks have really missed them, and the Knicks have really benefited from them. Now, if you want to kind of go down a little rabbit hole, you can say, well, how much difference do you think Derek Lively makes long-term for the Mavericks? Because if they don't botch the Brunson situation, they don't have him. But forget about that. Let's talk about the 14. I think they, I think they trade did Derek Lively Did you feel for, that Jalen Brunson? Derek Lively for Jalen Brunson. Did you feel Jalen Brunson was a $100 million player when that deal was happened? I, 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 I did because... Here's the way, like you, you say, a hundred million dollar player. Damn, that's a lot of money. And then you looked at point guard salaries, and you said that's middle of the road starting point guard salaries. And I said he's at least. Did yeah. I think Jalen Brunson was going to be uh, an all star, which I believe he will be once the the announcements come out on Thursday? Well, I wasn't sure all-star. about that. Forget all star. He's going to be an all NBA. Well, guard. he should have been the he should have been the starter. But I was quite... some people some people voted him as the starter. Apparently, yeah, media, not enough. The to... media the media did vote him as the starter. It was the, yeah. the fans that didn't. I was quite confident he was going to be a good starting point guard, and it wasn't going out on a limb. You know, the the year uh, that he, his last year in Dallas, he got better and better and better during his four years in Dallas. He, and he went from his third year being, I think, third and sixth man of the year, running to his last year. He was the second best player on a Western Conference Finals team, and Luka missed a lot of games that year for for a variety of reasons, COVID and the, kind of the shutdown to get him in shape and just knickknack injuries and. So it was like a 20-game sample size, including a few games in the playoffs. And Brunson averaged like an efficient 20 points, seven assists. You know, so you looked at that and said, hey, he's going to be a good starting point guard. And by the way, including a 41-point game and a 31-point game in the playoffs, I can't sit here and tell you I thought he was going to average 27 points per game. But I thought he'd be a good starting point guard and a great leader. And I, I thought the contract would age well. Now, the contract is one of the best bargains in the NBA. Well, and also just what good players like this change teams. It just barely happens anymore in free agency. You don't see guys like this sign in free agency. And by the way, a couple of years before, the Knicks signed Julius Randle in free agency. And yeah, Julius is a flawed player. He's not a perfect fit. Two teams had already said goodbye to him at that point. No, I know. But my point is... They sign him and they've developed him into a two-time all NBA forward. Like yeah. they've done a tremendous job building this team. And, now, and as you said, McMahon, the one other thing, just real quick, tonight in this game, Dante DiVincenzo, we talked about him earlier, hits nine threes, has 33 points. Josh Hart has a 10 point, 10 rebound, 10 assist, triple double. Those guys all go to Villanova. Yeah. And a big part of why they're here is to play with Jalen Brunson yeah. and on good long-term contracts because they want to be here with their guy Jalen Brunson. That's where it's not just that the guys become an all-NBA caliber guard. He's also getting guys who are really good players to come be part of this thing moving forward. It's made a huge difference. For them. And for Tibbs, let's just call it like it is. Tibbs can annoy the hell out of guys, can wear guys out. He is the perfect 
liaison, and I think I'm pronouncing that word correctly, the perfect liaison in the locker room between liaison. Kids. Liaison? Liaison. I was close. It was a dangerous liaison. At least you knew the word. I had a bad feeling as it was coming uh, between out. Between him I and also, Perkins, jeez. Oh, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm also, I'm also not, not quite sure how to spell it. <laughs> Intermediary. Uh, How's by the that way, one? He I thought mean, he was right. He's like, I think I, I think I got this right. Liaison is the perfect word. You just didn't know how to say it. But at I least know, you knew the word. I know. Uh, anyway. Anyway. He's the perfect that thing for Tibbs and the rest of the guys in the locker room. Because, dude, this guy grew up with Tibbs. His dad is literally, Rick Brunson has known Tibbs since he was a high school kid in Salem, Virginia. Jalen's known him his entire life. And so he speaks that language. But he can, you know, he, he's got a way about him where he's not a rah, rah, real loud type of guy, but everybody in the locker room is going to respect him. Everybody in the locker room is going to, you know, like him. He's got a very likable personality and he can kind of translate Tibbs into you know, much more receptive terms. Well, when Leon Rose took that job, it was well known in the NBA. He was going to hire, he was going to hire uh, Tom Thibodeau, although they did go through a, a significant interview process with a bunch of people and including interviewing Will Hardy, who I think performed very well in the interview, but, and he knew he was going to go after Jalen Brunson. I don't know if he knew he was going to be able to get him, but those were like orders one and two. And, you know, that was cronyism, you know, Tibbs agent, you know, and he was Jalen Brunson's godfather. And his agent. And, agent. and his agent. But I mean, he was his godfather before he knew he was going to be an NBA player. Now, now, to be clear, he wouldn't have been able to go after Brunson unless the Mavericks botched that situation. In, I know. In well, I, I didn't. He didn't know he was going to get him, but he wanted to get him. Well, he wanted Donovan you Mitchell know. and he wanted Carl Anthony Towns. He, you know, there, there's a list. And hey, maybe he ends up getting one or the other or we'll see what happens. But well, they've just done a great job of methodically building a team, which the Knicks had not mm -hmm. done for a generation. They had constantly rushed into one thing after another and botched one thing after another, gone after guys like Steve Francis and Marbury and Tracy McGrady. And they, they just they botched one thing after another yeah. for literally a generation. And now, finally, they've built this team that they've done a remarkable job doing, and they've they've put themselves in position to truly be a championship level team, even if they aren't right now. Right, they have the ability to get there, which they haven't in forever. All right, let's talk about the next eight days for the Knicks. So they've got eight tradable first round picks. Now, obviously. We have just talked about how patient they're going to be. We've seen how they're uh, they're being patient. I don't think that they're interested in using any of those picks to rent a player, especially a big man. Right. Having said that, I think it's important to understand something, and it which not just about the Knicks situation. It would be any team in this situation. Evan Fournier has been not been in the rotation for over a year. He would have very much loved to have been let go, either traded or bought out. But the Knicks haven't done that because they have been holding on to his contract to trade it and. Because if any player, for, even if it's a superstar or whatever, if any player wants to be a Nick, you know, or they have a shot at somebody, they don't want to have to, if they're going to build a draft pick trade, they don't want to have to include Dante DiVincenzo right. or Mitchell Robinson or Josh Harden and if they can avoid it. And so that's why Fournier is still on the roster. And it's something important to point out about Fournier is that even though he's got a $19 million contract this year that he's sort of sitting on the bench for. He has a team option in his contract for next year for another $19 million. Now, I don't think that the Knicks are probably picking that up, but it's important to realize that that, that is something that they're not, it, it's not, it's not there by an accident. If they get to the summer, because I think the option date is June 29th, and they don't have 
another situation. They might pick up that option because they have the same thing that they would need in a trade later on. And now I'm going to tell you why I just discussed all that. Because if they can trade for a player using Evan Fournier that has the same type of contract, who is a better player who can help them now, I think that is something that they would investigate, especially if they can do it without giving up one of those first round picks. I'm going to steal from Bobby Marks. How about a guy like Jordan Clarkson? Nah, see, I, mean, I don't think that's, I don't Clarkson think Clarkson is under answer. contract. I don't think that's, I'm going to bring up a big man. Okay. I'm going to bring up Bruce Brown. Well, Bruce Brown also isn't a big man. A and B. Well, he plays I, forward. The, the two a, a big man. He's and a also big man Bruce Brown can play center. Under I think you're a little well, too Bruce focused on the center. option part. I mean, Bruce Brown played center with with the Nets when they were playing small. He's going to be I a know. shooting guard with the Knicks. Well, let's That's not, not let's not. He quit. can he, play he'll multiple. Be a, he'll positions. be a two through four. Sure, two yeah, four. exactly. He'll, he'd be a, a very player. useful. He'd be a very useful player who has proven championship experience, and so, also in some circumstances, he can play all the way down to center in some circumstances if they need him. Okay, so and the thing about Bruce Brown that is interesting: team option for next year. I know, um, but. I, I think you're too I think you're too focused on the team option part and more more the more the thing to focus on more I think is because you have Evan Fournier who has the ability to be on the books next year and the Knicks aren't going to be a cap space team and they are a team that's obviously willing to spend money it's that they can go get whether it's Bruce Brown or another guy that's been linked to them before Malcolm Brogdon another guy who's a better player than Evan Fournier who could fill a need for them depending on where in the rotational mm-hmm. spectrum it is who has money on the books next year that becomes expiring all of a sudden, whether it's a team option or just a contract, then you've got with him, with other guys, all of a sudden you got the kind of money you need stacked up to go get a star player. Right. The point is with Fournier, they have optionality. They can say goodbye on right. June 29th if they need cap flexibility, or they can keep him and use him as a trade asset. Bruce Brown has the same thing and he can help them today. Now I'm right. Now it may not be Bruce Brown, and I and, and my guess is that the, the Raptors are probably like, oh, the Knicks are calling again. These are our best friends. The Knicks were in a lawsuit, but let's not focus <laughs> on that. Let's get another first round pick because they, they, you know, they they have got a first round pick from Indiana in the Siakam deal. Uh, they didn't get one in for Ananobi, but so if the Knicks they can got figure the 31st out the overall pick, <laughs> that's true. But if the Knicks can figure out, I think the Knicks have nine tradable second round picks. Mm-hmm. I think they still have nine. They got, I a think, lot of, they got a lot of stuff to move without touching any of the main stuff they have. Right. And they can go get somebody to help their team. And I would assume, right. don't know this for sure. I'll be surprised if Evan Fournier is on the team after the deadline. Right. But the key, again, the reason I think it's important to realize is if you're going to do a deal where you need to send pieces out to get a big time name, a high salary player, ideally that isn't a part of your core or a guy who's got three years and 60 million left. And so that's why... If they can not change their flexibility come June and get better today, I think they're going to try to do it. Yep. Uh, maybe they can't. Maybe there'll be some sort of bidding war for Bruce Brown. I don't know if there will be because that's a pretty big number for a possible rental player. Well, and that's the reason them. Brogdon and Brown have come up a lot, right? Because they're both owed about $22 million next year and they'll be expiring contracts. You can decline Bruce Brown's option. But either way, if you pick it up, and Brogdon is just under contract, then you've got a large expiring to go with your other stuff. And all of a sudden you're in the game. Like right. we've talked about many times, you have the salary to go get anybody who comes available. What, yeah. what agency represents Bruce Brown? It would be the creative artist agency, hmm. I believe. That's interesting. What agency represents Tim Bontemps? <laughs> Secret agency. <laughs> oh, okay. The IT department represents me. Are there any creative artists in, on this uh, show? There's a creative artist in my house. 
uh, and, <laughs> there you and go. She is. That's right. Trust his me. She represents. A, she represents me too. His wife is an accomplished painter, accomplished that is, artist. That is true. Many celebrities, at least one celebrity that I know of, have K Bond, and I'm not talking about Bond temps, have K Bond art hanging in their living rooms. You're talking about Malika. I just thought it was a celebrity. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, I, and again, I just want to point out that as the Knicks are playing this out, they're sitting there and looking at the two seed, thinking that's not out of the realm of possibility as yeah. they do this. And I, and I know that Woj and others have reported that they don't think Randall's shoulder injury is severe. Uh, I think Woj said weeks, not months. I've been covering basketball for over for 25 years. I've covered many players who have had shoulder injuries. It's a very tricky injury, a dislocated shoulder. Even if you can come back and play on it and you avoid surgery, you are at high risk re-dislocating it because yeah, well, of the nature of it. And the one thing we didn't talk about because you missed the last couple of days, but it's not a coincidence this has all started with swapping out RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly for OG Ananobi because... The introduction of him to this team not only gives them a defensive weapon that they haven't had for Tom Thibodeau to use, just makes them so much bigger. Because yeah. all these guys are really good. DiVincenzo, Josh Hart, Quentin Grimes, like RJ when he was here, all solid players, different degrees, but they're all small. And OG Ananobi is a legit three-size guy who can guard and play the four. Now that Julius Randle's out, when he's healthy, he will start at the four. Like, they didn't have a guy like that before on the team. So they were constantly playing uphill from a size standpoint and dropping him into the lineup. It's totally balanced them out. It's made them a way more lethal team. And it's, it's just really been a seamless. And if you were starting better than you could have guessed. And if you were starting Bruce Brown and OG and Nobi at three, four, whichever order you want to say, that would be a very flexible, tough championship. I know when Ananobi won the title with the Raptors, he wasn't he was recovering from a surgery. Yeah, he, wasn't he wasn't actually playing, but, but still yeah. or she, or Josh Hart and with Bruce Brown coming off the bench. Like that's a lot of those type of guys. And by the way, one of my favorite quotes of the last year was from Eric Spolstra from Team USA talking about Josh Hart, about how um how he goes after loose balls. Mm -hmm. He goes, you know, what we really want, you know, in basketball is guys who get 50-50 balls. Josh Hart gets 30, 70 balls. Yeah. You know, like where he's got 30% chance of getting it and he gets it. But it's just a um, team full of Tibbs guys up and down, right. the, up and down right. the line. Like well, it's just you, built to be his team and it's been a great fit. And when you say size in basketball, people think height, people think length. Like Ananobi is built like a tight end. Yes. Like, and, you know, this dude is broad shoulders, you know, like he is a big physical, you know, as is Josh Hart. As, as, is Julius, as, as is Julius, as Randall. is Julius Randall. Right. I mean, Jalen Brunson plays physical. I mean, he's not a big guy, but he plays physically at point guard. Yeah. Like they are a physical. Well, Mitchell Robinson is. Team. Yeah, Mitchell I'll Robinson. Hartenstein too, man. I can't Hart believe they got Hartenstein for what they got him for. They got him for like two years and twenty million. I couldn't believe he couldn't get more than that when they. He kind of was bouncing around at the league. He did. I mean, I was surprised the Clippers let him go. He was very good for the Clippers. Dude, the yeah, Rockets. I mean, with the, you know, he was with the Rockets and he was productive, and he got he got let go when the Rockets decided that uh, centers were so last generation. Yeah, well, they're probably going to pay a Tom Thibodeau amount. had to get used. He sort of had to figure out how to start using them properly because he struggled mm -hmm. early on, but. Once that's clicked in, really, second half of last year and this year, Hartstein's been fantastic for them and just been great since Mitch Robinson went out. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. 
One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Well, the team that uh, the Knicks dominated last year with their physicality was the Cleveland Cavs. And the Cavs have been dealing with that fallout ever since. And in mid-December, we've talked about it before, they they on the same day announced that Darius Garland and Evan Mobley were having surgery. They have gone, I believe, 15-4 and four since then. Evan Mobley came back at the six-week mark on Monday night where the Cavs had one of their biggest wins over the last two seasons when they beat the LA Clippers at home. The, sometimes you, when you're in January, you get games where teams are on road trips and they sort of make a value judgment. And you certainly see that from the Clippers. I'm here to tell you the Clippers were trying to win this game. I know they were coming off of a win in Boston. They did have a day off. The Clippers went for that game to win it. Eight minutes yep. left. Ty Luce had his lineup set and rested. He brought Kawhi and Paul George off the bench with seven and change. It was an eight, eight or so point game. He said, go win it. And Kawhi had a great game. Kawhi scored like 34, 36. Um, They had won their last seven games when Kawhi scored over 30. And they went for it. And the Cavs just said no. And it was an extremely impressive win for the Cavs. They won. They they played two games in Milwaukee last week. They split. But um, bounced back on Friday and won at Milwaukee. Had a stretch where they just played Orlando twice. Milwaukee twice and the Clippers and they went four and one in that stretch of games. Um, yep. And they had sort of, they had gotten a little bit fat on some easier teams in earlier January. Well, that's, mm-hmm. you can't say that anymore. And here's what I will tell you about the Cavs, which the last 20 games have kind of sort of laid bare. Donovan Mitchell might be a point guard. That's, listen, that's been the case since his, his early Utah days. But even by those standards, the way he's playing now, where it's not really an option, the Cavs, not only do they not they have, they do, I mean, the Cavs don't, it's not like Donovan Mitchell's playing point guard because somebody else is hurt and he's filling in. He was all they had. Mm-hmm. The, the, their second point guard for the last month has been Karis mm-hmm. LeVert, who's definitely not a point guard. He's farther away than Donovan. Like he wasn't playing point guard for, you know, like, 15 or 20 point uh, percent of the possessions. He was playing point guard every possession he was on the court, basically. And he was really good. He's been really good at it. And against the, the Clippers, he had a 12 assist game. That's his third double digit assist game of the year. He's more, more than any other season in his career. And so what you've seen for the Cavs is they have basically been playing with one center, you know, one big, one true big. I mean, they've had... George Niang, they've had Dean Wade out there. They've had Tristan Thompson out there at times, but they've generally played with one center, Donovan at point guard, and three floor stretchers, three mm-hmm. floor spacers. And they have had the number 10 offense in the la- over the last 15 games and the number one defense over the last 15 games. 
They are now up to number two. I think coming into tonight, I don't know how the the Celtics the Celtics beat the Pacers tonight, but coming into this game tonight, they were tied with the Celtics for the number two defense in the league on the season. And so the thing that they are now having to deal with, Mobley is back. Uh, Garland is expected to play um, Wednesday against the the Pistons. What J.B. Bickerstaff, the coach, did against the Clippers was he brought Mobley back, but he didn't fully bring Mobley back. Mm-hmm. Um, he staggered Jared Allen and Mobley in such a way that they were not on the court together in the whole fourth quarter when the game was decided. He had Mobley play center the first four minutes and Allen play the center the last you know roughly eight minutes. Allen had 20 and 17, I think, or 20 and 18. He's had something like double doubles in 15 of his last 16 games or 16 of his last 17 or something like that. And so the Cavs have gotten themselves into fourth and they have, and again, this number changes by the day. So it may not be the same by the morning, but when I just looked it up, they have the third easiest schedule left coming in and Garland is back. But the challenge they have is that they've done this team, this with, you know, with one point guard, one center, mm-hmm. three shooters. When Garland and Mobley are back, like Mobley plays offensively like a center. Defensively, he can guard every yeah. four in the league just about. But offensively, he plays like a center because he doesn't stretch the floor. And Garland plays like a point guard. You know, he is the point guard, really. And so the question is, how are they going to manage this when they aren't playing with three floor stretchers. Can they change it? Will they change it? Because the Cavs are sitting there looking at the same thing. They're sitting there in fourth. They're two games out of two, two and a half games out of second. They've Mm. got a favorable schedule and they're adding back talent. They've got to be sitting there saying to themselves, we can get two. We can pass the Bucks in the in the Sixers. And yeah, the, the Knicks are hot right now, but they're missing these starters. Maybe that'll catch up with them. Like they can, you know, I don't think they're the second best team in the East, but they can convince they can look at that and say they can get there. And no I don't question. think they're going to. I don't think they're going to be very active for the trade deadline. They're, they're not really positioned to be active, but they can say they're bringing back Mobley and Garland. So Bontemps, I think it's. I think watching J.B. Bickerstaff and how he handles this over the next couple of weeks is going to be interesting. One to see if the Cavs can keep it going. Two, how does he add these guys back in without changing up the flow? Yeah, I mean it's a fascinating situation because you're right. I mean when those guys got hurt, we were talking about was well, this season going to go completely sideways. Are these guys going to have to make some really hard decisions at the trade deadline? And instead, you were demanding that they trade Donovan Mitchell. Well, listen, you were demanding. I, I, was I was saying that it was a. That I was saying that something that they might have to look at by February. No, well, we all we all said they had to look at it for sure. And, and they, they and and they they definitely do not right now. Well, Absolutely. no, they're right because Jared Allen has played at a super high level, mm-hmm. and Donovan Mitchell has played at a super high level. And these guys, I mean, yeah, they had some easy games earlier in the month where they got going, like you said, Brian. They have not had that schedule recently. That Clippers win was a terrific win. Getting a win in Milwaukee last week was a good win or against Milwaukee last week. Like they've played really, really well with these guys out. But yeah, I mean, it goes back to the same thing we've talked about since the start of the season. Like one of the really important things to watch in the whole league this season was going to be what Evan Mobley's offensive development looked like. Yep. And the fact is he hasn't developed offensively at all. And that's a real problem for the Cavs. And it's one they have to deal with now as they work him back in. Because the bottom line is Jared Allen has just been better than him and has been awesome. And so moving Jared Allen out of the way to like to feature Evan Mobley is not going to work in terms of trying to maximize what you've got right now. Jared Allen's been one of the best rim running centers in the league. No question. And, you know, it's 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 different players who aren't at this level. But like in Utah, Will Hardy basically had to say, I can't play John Collins 
and Walker Kessler together because they're both rim runners. And if you have two, it just clogs things up. Now, again, Jared Allen's a significantly better player than either of those guys, and, and so is Mobley. But just in terms of the spacing, when those two guys are on the floor together, the Cavs' offensive rating is 108. That would rank in the high 20s in the league. And there, there, there is with, with the guards, with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, you know, there's a little bit of crossover, but those guys can coexist. You know, multiple playmaking guards, neither one of them are shooting the ball great this year from three, but both proven three-point shooters. I, I, I think you're fine there. The question is, can you hold up? defensively with those guys and if you've got you know, a really good rim protector behind them which you're guaranteed to always have then the answer has been yes but it, it still gets down to jared allen and mobley as 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 much as they've wanted that to work those guys kind of get in each other's way even in the game against the clippers the clippers are an excellent defensive team not only are they good because of their personnel but they're you know, they're very well coached because that's Ty Lue mm -hmm. um, and they have a good scheme. Mm -hmm. Jarrett Allen actually provided spacing from the center position. Now, the Clippers are playing without Avicia Zubac. Now, that was a factor and they finished the game. I don't know who was at center at any one time, but I think Kawhi was basically playing center down the stretch. Jarrett Allen was defending Kawhi the last five or six minutes of the game. Yeah, The Clippers were, were doing a good job trying to cover the ground, but... When they got into switches, Allen got a couple of easy baskets because he would get into an advantageous position. And while the Clippers were trying to manage dealing with him in the middle, he was sort of inverse stretching the floor because he was pulling their perimeter players in to bring help. In fact, there was one point in the fourth quarter of this game where the Clippers were given the Cavs issues. The Cavs were having trouble scoring. And James Harden got called for a defensive three seconds, which which drove Ty up the wall because mm -hmm. he couldn't believe that they called a defensive three seconds with like four minutes left. But one of the reasons was because Harden was trying to stay in the middle to bring help on Allen. And so, you know, you wouldn't confuse Jared Allen with Shaquille O'Neal, but he gets the ball against a smaller guy in the paint. The guy shoots like 68%. And so and he, again, he, it's like, not just he's not just a dunker either. He has a, he has some touch around the basket. Mm -hmm. right, right. No question. And so, Evan Mobley took seven shots last night, and none of them were outside the immediate paint area. They're all in the paint, and they're all right by the no. Rim. Not like, only they just is he not in the same spots. Yes. Not only is Evan Mobley not developed an outside shot because of how poor his shooting has been this year. He's done the opposite and sort of run home to mama. He's now. By the way. The guy's a killer in the paint. He led yep. the NBA in dunks last year. Yep. And he's a killer, you know, scoring in the restricted area, even though he's not physically large. He is, you know, I think his numbers might even be better than Zion's in the restricted area. And Zion's one of the best paint scorers of a generation. He'll he'll put the ball in the basket in there. He's definitely can he's definitely got offensive talent, just you know, not launching a jumper. So, you know, both those teams, like I do, do, do either of you think that the Knicks and Cavs could could win the East, assuming that there's not a massive trade here? No. Okay. No. no uh, not, there's not, a path not, to not. them making the conference finals. I agree. Because, honestly, they could be playing each other in the second round as the two uh, and three seeds, but right. they're not good enough to get through three rounds and beat some combination of Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, maybe even Miami if they're healthy, though they've been a disaster lately. I think that's asking a I lot. Mean, but not, they, not could, unless... they could easily win a couple series. Not unless the Knicks pull off a move that I honestly just 
don't see pull off like a surprising significant trade that just clicks and and as great as Ananobi fit has been and as smooth and easy and seamless as it's been, typically trades take a little bit of time to, uh, you know. And there's not a guy of that caliber that's coming on board that's going to change their ceiling right, right. now. Anyway. Probably. I mean, I, I guess, sure, barring something yeah. truly miraculous happening. We didn't right. think Durant was getting traded at this point last year. I mean, right. he, had, uh, he had previously demanded a trade, but we didn't. Sure. You know, if Kevin Durant asks for another trade and ends up on the Knicks, <laughs> well, that's not sure. what I was implying. Just to be well, clear. I know, I'm just saying we've had that some happened, wild then... aggregation in the last week. Yeah. I yes, mean, but, but one the year aggregators ago... are on their toes, baby. They are ready. <laughs> there you go. They are ready. But, and Wendy loves you. Uh, one year ago, we didn't we didn't see Kyrie or Katie getting traded, and then they both, you know, they sure. both end up getting moved. Sure. So you never know what's going to happen, but it's hard to like. There's not a move that that you see. Uh, materializing for them. But they are both really good teams, and it it will be fascinating to see, because while it might be a little bit easier fit, it's a very duplicative fit with the guards, and it's a very duplicative fit with the bigs. And I will say, I'm less worried about Garland. Garland is having his worst three-point shooting season Mm -hmm. of his career. Donovan is, too. Just hard to win with two guards that don't... I I agree, but Donovan is creating... I agree, but Donovan is creating, and the floor is stretched and spaced, and he's... You know, yeah. gonna you know he's no, I know. It's just if you have two but, two small guards who don't guard, it's just it's hard. I will just say that's true. I will just say unless you're the number two rated defense in the NBA, despite well, having two small guards. I mean, they've also not had Darius Garland for this entire run, Fair. so it goes know. both ways. I will say this: last year, Garland shot forty-one percent on threes on six a game. If he can rediscover that shooting touch and. You know, he had a wicked injury. He had a broken jaw. Yeah. I believe his jaw was wired shut. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a weird one because he he didn't. I don't even think he missed the game that he was well, in. And it, yeah. he like got banged and then got looked at a couple of days later and had a the fracture guy, and had to get the it. The guy gets hit in the head up. more than a hockey player. He's constantly getting hit. Cavs fans will tell you this. He is like last year. He you remember the opening night of the season. He got poked in the eye. Yes, like, I do remember. He's he. I think he had a concussion another time last year. He's constantly getting hit in the face. It's crazy. And so he he had his jaw wired shut. But I believe he could shoot and run. Maybe not when the jaw was wired shut, but you know, his recovery right. in theory should be And he and Mobley are obviously very talented players. It just it's what makes it such an interesting situation because yeah. they saying have to try to figure it could, out. If he gets back to shooting at 40% from threes, it yeah. lessens I, I think there's a pathway for the guards to work better than there is a pathway for the bigs. Okay. Yeah. Hey Wendy, real Speaking quick. Of bigs. Real quick, yeah. real quick. What would you pay get Bontemp's jaw wired shut? <laughs> That's not a very nice thing to say. He would figure out a way. <laughs> my jaw was, my jaw was wired, son. I'd take a nice, a nice long vacation. Let you do all the work for a while. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't happen. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Speaking of teams that uh, play big, you saw a really good win for the Minnesota, I said Minneapolis, the Minnesota Timberwolves on Monday night mm-hmm. in in Oklahoma City, <laughs> they were they were coming. Those two teams were tied for the lead in the West coming into the game, but they was they came with their with their tails tucked a little bit because yes. the uh, the the Thunder had just lost to the uh, Pistons like by double digits. Yes, and the Wolves gave up. I believe a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter against the Spurs. It was a it, first place in the West was at stake with two teams that were coming off of losses to last place teams. Right. It was it, it was pretty strange. And I tell you what, don't tell me you can't play defense in the modern NBA because I watched a great defensive game and, and not an ugly game, but like two teams that are playing extremely high level defense. I, I, I watched that happen. Um, so you can play defense in, in this league still. And it was a huge win for the Timberwolves. They didn't have Mike Conley. And we've talked a lot about just how important Conley is. It's not a coincidence that they had losses against the Hornets where they melted down in the the clutch. They had that loss that you mentioned against the Spurs where they melted down in the clutch. Conley's was out for both of those. You know, he has this sore hamstring. They're playing it. They, you know, played it safe with him. I don't know if he'll play against the Mavericks or not. We'll see, but wasn't available. And man, Ann Edwards, who has not always been, has often not been a very good decision maker with the ball, uh, with the game on the line, was phenomenal, despite being frustrated as hell with the referees. And, you know, we can get to that a little bit later. But, like, you know, had to drive down. First of all, the, they took the lead for good when he made a great read uh, off the off the pick and roll with Gobert. Boom, hit Jaden McDaniels in the corner. That's the three that put him up for good. The next uh, next time, rejects the screen from Gobert. High pick and roll, drives down the lane, goes up. And it was marginal contact, according to the NBA's last two-minute report. Which Boy, there were some still photos that were I damaging. Tell you, <laughs> I mean, there, there were all five fingers on him of Shago's Alexander on his it like, forearm. It was like, like when Jalen Brown popping had out in the contact. hand. Yeah, it was like Anyways. when Jalen Brown had marginal contact to his head by Buddy Heald in the game. That yeah, was that the was... wildest uh, last two minutes. I don't know how to pronounce that one word that I tried to say earlier that starts with an L, and I guess I don't know the definition of marginal. But anyways, <laughs> and but the, the Wolves won this with defense. I'm like down the stretch, you know, Jalen Williams, Drives down the lane and Gobert's just all over him, smothering him, you know, covering, you know, arms stretched up to the rafters. And uh, Jalen Williams, who we all know is a tremendous player, tremendous offense player, shuffles his feet. And it was, it was, doesn't show up in the, in the stat sheet for Gobert, but it was absolutely a turnover forced by Gobert. Then there's another one where it looks like Lou Dort's going to have a clean three. Whoops, here comes Jaden McDaniels, six foot nine, and the arms, I don't know what the wingspan is. I don't know how tall he actually is, but he plays taller than he is. Well, with the afro, he's about seven foot seven right now. Well, those arms, those are Anthony Davis-style arms. I know that. Yeah, wiry as hell, but, and, and, you know, Dort, can't get the three off, kind of pump fakes, thinks he's going to get one. Nope. Gives it up to Chet in the corner. Here comes Gobert from the paint. You know, challenges Chet. Chet can't get it off. He tries to put it on the floor. Gobert stays with him. Ends up in Kenrich Williams' hands. He tries to drive. He throws something up, and it's got no chance because Gobert's challenge him. And it was, 
You know, Chris Finch said Gobert is like an elite score in the sense that game on the line, you know, he loves those moments and he amps up his game. He's just doing it on the on the defensive end. And that, that's how they won the game. Jaden McDaniels played a great game. They had him guarding Chet. And, you know, Chet's struggling right now. He's in a little bit of a rut. I think he will. Maybe, but it's the first time this year, I believe, that he's had single digit sub 50% shooting performances uh, in, in consecutive games. They're two and five when he scores in single digits, five and eight when he shoots under 50% from the floor. But Jay McDaniels was the primary defender on him. Why? Because then you can have uh, Gobert guarding the worst shooter on the floor. It was Josh Giddy hit a, hit a few early on, but they were fine with that. And uh, Gobert's listen, clogging everything the up. Wolves the Wolves' length gives the Nuggets problems because, yeah. you know, what do the Nuggets do? They, they do two things. One, they run Jamal Murray, uh, Jokic pick and roll. Okay, that's hard to deal with. And they give Jokic the ball on the elbow or at the nail, and Jokic goes to work. And I'm... I'm not allowed to watch Nuggets games this year, but every highlight that I see of Aaron Gordon is getting a feed yes. from Jokic for a dunk. Yeah. I don't know what what, what Great percentage cutter. of dunks Aaron Gordon has of his shots, but like it's a high percentage and they're passes from Jokic. Well, guess what? They can put towns on Jokic because yep. he has good, good enough size and it's not, you know, he doesn't have to cover a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. Then you can have Gobert back there defending that rim and it takes away a huge piece. Obviously, they beat him in the playoffs last year. It's not unsolvable, but they right. present a, a, a profile that Denver doesn't have the you know you know they have a an antidote for a little bit of what Denver does. And they beat yeah. him in the playoffs without Jaden McDaniels. And I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination the Wolves would have won the series with him because the Nuggets were an absolute juggernaut that mowed through the entire postseason. But when you talk about why are the Timberwolves the number one defense in the league? Number one is the guy who should win his fourth defensive player of the year award this year, Rudy Gobert. Number two is Jaden McDaniels. And then we get to number three, Ann Edwards, who is a monster on that end of the floor. Another guy who plays bigger than his size. By the way, Jackson looked it up. McDaniels, uh, six, 11 and a half. I'm going to call it seven wingspan. I mean, he's, he's huge. And look, like, We've talked at different points this year about Minnesota and their offense and how it could be a problem in the playoffs because they can't necessarily get to the same kind of numbers offensively as a lot of these other teams. This was the formula for them in the playoffs. 107-101 game, you're winning with defense, physically overwhelming teams with your size, with your strength inside. Like that, if they're going to make a deep playoff run, this is exactly the kind of formula they're going to have. And look, on the other side, Josh Giddy was a game worse minus 17. I understand why he's starting. I understand what they're trying to do with this team, but when it gets down to it in the playoffs, his lack of shooting, his lack of defense, it's a bad fit with Shea Gibbs-Alexander. At yep. some point, they're going to have to change that spot in the starting lineup. Well, they've changed the closing bigger, a lot, including well, last know, night. But they're going to yeah. have to go, when it gets down to it, they're going to have to just go away from Josh Giddy. I don't know uh, when, uh, when it's going to happen. They've finished with Cason Wallace. Yeah, but you can't. They had Josh Giddy in this game. Josh Giddy was out there for 19 minutes and was minus 17. And, and that was with him that hitting minutes. a few threes. That's but right. It's, it's not even whether he hits them or not. It's just teams don't guard. Now, the Celtics did the same thing. They had Porzingis on him, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but Giddy made them pay for they that. Made some shots in that game. Um, but the the the, the one hope for Giddy there is that Chip England works his magic. I mean, hey, he's got Lou Dort shooting 40 plus percent. 
Jalen Williams, not that he came in the league as a non-shooter, but Jalen Williams is shooting in the mid-40s. By the way, Jalen Williams sprained his ankle in that game. Uh, he is out uh, in Denver on Wednesday. Hopefully that's not something that keeps him out. Jason Wall's uh, shooting 42%. Yeah. Listen, they've, the, the Thunder are certainly going to be very interesting in the playoffs this year. I think when you talk to people or, who are you know, with teams that have a chance to go deep, they're kind of curious about the Thunder, but think that it's going to it's gonna take them, you know, they're going to have to get their nose bloody in the playoffs before they're really going to be a threat to come out of the West. But who knows? I mean, hey, they young still teams, be the number young one teams, team. Yeah, young teams always have to go through it in the playoffs at some point. I tell you what, though, man, Shea Gilgis Alexander is unreal. Bontemps, when is the next poll going to be? In the coming weeks. <laughs> He's got a chance. Now, they're, they're in this dip, so they're probably not going to be first place in the West when the poll comes out. But if they end up winning the, the number one seed in the West, Look, I think he's going to have a real chance. Dude, well, And listen, so Joel Embiid, so, so, so Joel, Embiid is, Joel Embiid is playing in this game in Golden State. He's, he does he's not, not look he good. Shouldn't, he shouldn't be playing. I agree. His knee is messed up. He's already, he's only can miss five more games. I think you could basically just write him out of the MVP picture right. at this point. And Shagans Alexander is going to be right there with anybody having well, a chance. Like Jokic is, if, Jokic is having an MVP year. I mean, he, I'm not well, so saying. So is Giannis, so are a lot of guys. But to yeah, McMahon's point, I'm, if the yeah. Thunder win the West with a team full of 22 year olds and this guy's averaging 30 plus and playing at Look, both ends, he's going to have a shot. You, I'm 30, 31, six and six and leads the league in steals. That's right. And, and look, if it's, and, if Embiid is out of the mix, Joker, Giannis, SGA, and then Luca. Although that game's played thing could end up biting Luca. I think it's going to be the, his ninth missed uh, here in Minnesota. And obviously the Mavericks can't <laughs> be the eight. He might get his uh, 16th technical too somewhere in there. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? <laughs> could you? Listen, I'm, I don't want to. If that happens, I'm going to make sure somebody reports it first. I don't want to point it out. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, look. Also, when you watch Shea defend, he you know he's not just a, a stat putting up the two the two assists. He's extremely disruptive defensively. Yeah, and um, and and he also has the luxury though of playing with three guys who are more important to their defensive scheme. Lou Dort's her stopper. Jalen Williams takes his second toughest assignment, one through four, and then Chet Holmgren is a all defensive candidate as a rookie. He's one of the best rim protectors in the league. And that allows Shea to guard, you know, and the, Josh the, Kitty. The, well, <laughs> I, 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 there's a reason I left that part out. Uh, that allows Shea to to guard the fourth or fifth option, and you know, obviously they're switching a lot, and you know, whatever. But and he is he is extremely disruptive. But I just tell you, I can't. There were six or seven of his buckets last night where I'm just sitting there watching, and I gasp. Because it's like, how did like it's it's magic his foot and the, you talk about like this the same with Luca their footwork after they pick up the dribble is just historically elite. I mean they're just pivoting and you know pivots and pump fakes and Gilgis Alexander's got these these arms that just kind of look like slinkies finishing on all these weird angles slithering through cracks. He's unbelievable off the dribble. By the way, Joel Embiid just had his leg fell on by Jonathan Kaminga oh, and uh, limped back to the locker room after being in a lot of pain. So, was it on his left leg or his right? It was the same, it was the same leg, same left leg that he's been so dealing look, with issues with for a while. It wasn't great. Look, we talked about it in the last pod. He didn't look good against the Pacers when they lost that game last Thursday. 
there's something going on with his left knee. It does not excuse the way they handled the game against the, the thing about that that made no sense was he was not on the injury report. I don't understand why he wasn't. Yeah, I thought he might sure. not play watching him on Saturday because he wasn't moving around. I know. It didn't make you any sense. You said that, and I can testify that you said that during the it, game. It was. And look, I'm not. The way they handled this everything guy, on this Saturday guy scores, this guy scores 30 points literally every game. Every game he scores 30 points. It's only a question of whether he's going to score 40, 50, 60, or 70. The 30 is not in thing. He's got 14 points in 30 minutes tonight. This guy. Yeah, usually right. scores thirty-two points in thirty minutes. He's got yep. fourteen points, and he's he's gone to the locker room. He's five eighteen. His knee is obviously bothering him. You know that's it's not great. You know. Right now, the Sixers are going through it. They are going. They're on a West Coast trip, which is hard in the best of times. Well, they're about and they to got, be zero four, and Tyrese Maxey's missed the last three games. Yeah. Joel had missed the last couple. Bias also Harrison had the flu. It's been bad. Right. Also, Melton's been out. Not that he's headed for the all-star team, but that's a starter. He's, they have, yeah, they have four starters out. I think Nick Patum didn't play today either. He did not play. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just been. Yeah. Been I mean, for Corkman's and... played 20 minutes in this game that, you know, no offense to him, but that's an indication <laughs> of where they're at. No, and no, look, like, no offense. That's always, I mean, KJ Martin has not that. been in the rotation all year. He's playing 25 minutes. And listen, it's game. far more important. It's obviously far more important that Embiid is ready to go when it matters, and hopefully this isn't yeah. too bad and he's good for the playoffs and he can have a healthy playoff run, which he has not been able to have yet in his career. But like this is just the clearest sign yet from what we said before. Like This guy's not winning MVP, no. so it's going to be somebody else. He may not be eligible by the time the next draw poll happens. Yeah, and again, I don't want to hear crying about the 65-game limit because Honestly, if you miss 20% of the of the season and other guys are right that good, you're not the most valuable player. But it's but it's the a point bummer. is whether it's not it's, like it's not like he's you know, the Denver thing looked bad, but it's not like he's just kicking his feet up and missing games for the heck of it. No, and the bottom line is whether he's just not gonna be eligible, period. Right. right. So whether it's Giannis or Shea or Jokic or whoever. Somebody is. It'll is be one of be... four guys. Like I said, Luca's the fourth guy, and the Mavericks are going to have to get healthy and win some games to give him a real shot. Because statistically, he's absolutely going to have a case. I mean, Stats Williams sent me a bunch of numbers, making an argument that this guy just had one of the best months and two month spans in NBA history. There's a couple other guys who I think could work their way in the mix too. I think Kawhi's got an outside shot. Oh, and I think that Tatum. I, think I don't. I don't know if Kawhi can too. win it, but my God, is he, I mean, I, I'm not. I haven't thought about this whole, fully, but I, what I've been saying is, I'm not so sure there's a more important development in the whole NBA this year about this, how good Kawhi has been. Yeah. In terms of the effect on the title, again, I will say to you. Well, that, and that Harden trade. Listen, as much as people were piling on early, hey, that Harden trade looks like an absolute transformational. You know, I mean, it changed the league because the Clippers might be the best team in the NBA. I saw Perk. Perk Perk's on the record. He says the Clippers are one of the title. Perk's never wrong. Well, listen, <laughs> they they from start of December on, they play the Wizards on Wednesday, final day of January. They're twenty two and five since December first. The Wizards have won two in a row. Pretty sir. good. Hey, listen, that's. I mean, it's why the Cavs. That was a great win for the Cavs. I mean, on Saturday, the Clippers absolutely curb stomped the Celtics in Boston. Yes. Just dominated them, start to finish. Yeah. One of the most impressive games of the year. Like they've they've been playing incredibly well. Well, all of which getting back to the Cavs makes that win. No question. So because we did, we were like, oh, soft schedule, fluky stuff. Well, it was no, they've they've got some big time schedule. wins lately. They've got yeah. some big time well, wins. They've carried it over. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully uh Embiid comes out of this okay. But um 
By the way, Jackson's like, Corkmon's a six of seven or six of eight on threes tonight. Yeah, I know. He's having a good night, Jackson. But I'm wow, just saying, don't, it's don't not good. Don't talk to Jackson with that tone. <laughs> Man. Uh, well, anyway. Jackson, same pop on and stick up for yourself. Today. Same tone Christian Wood had today. Oh, my I tell God. you what, he meant to quote tweet. I mean, who doesn't occasionally screw up a, uh, an intended quote tweet 20 minutes before tip off while they're pouting about not being in the starting lineup? I mean, yeah, well, could have happened to anybody. I, I, we're, we're in we're in dangerous zone of maybe relegating the Lakers to not talk about, but the LOL look, Lakers. Look, the what? LOL Lakers. They ain't LA. They're LOL. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Christian Wood. He can't oh, pronounce liaison, but he can he can make jokes spontaneously. He's got he's got that. <laughs> I got that L word down. Uh <laughs> also got loser down, and that's what Christian Wood is on eight straight teams. He's never played in the playoffs. At some point, G Wiz. Maybe every single coach isn't screwing him over. Maybe, the Lakers maybe, fell under. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe every coach that he's ever had has just not known what an all-star caliber player that he is. And, and he hasn't had this one holstered, folks. He hasn't had it ready. <laughs> <laughs> what happened, in case people don't know, Anthony Davis uh, missed a game against the, the back-to-back. He hurt his groin uh, in Houston on um, Monday night. Tough back-to-back. So Anthony Davis, who's only missed you know, a couple of games all year, he sits and it comes out shortly before the game that Jackson Hayes is going to start, not Christian Wood at center. Christian Wood tweets, LOL. To what we don't know, people are making assumptions. After the game, he oh, said... Really going out on a limb there. LOL. Well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, after the game, well, he said that he meant to quote tweet something and say LOL, but he just forgot to hit. Well, this was my favorite part. 20 minutes before the game. Jovan Buhar was like, do you usually tweet 20 minutes before the game? Yeah. So Jovan Buhar, former colleague here now at The Athletic, said that he didn't mean to quote tweet thing, right? Then in a follow-up tweet, Wood added later in his availability that he feels like he could do more for the team if he plays more, but that he has been limited to 14 to 15 minutes usually or 20 to 22 when AD is out. So I don't know. Seems like you might have had an ulterior motive there, Christian. Hold on. Hold on. I just want to go back to <laughs> oh God, we got Christian Wood signed <laughs> a minimum contract in early September. It's too much which Christian is Wood usually talk. an indication that you're not necessarily perceived as an extremely valuable player in the league. Also, the fact that the Mavericks were shopping him before the deadline and would have accepted four stained jock straps in exchange. <laughs> Maybe could have negotiated it down to two. All right, all right, all right. Get to the point. And uh, they weren't able to move him. He told our pal uh, Anscapes, Mark J. Spears, the Hall of Famer, this is a statement. I've always wanted to be a Laker. I know we can win a championship. Communication with a coach is a big key. Coach Ham and I go back to our Milwaukee days, and we've had great conversations every day about this opportunity. He believes in me and told me I'll be playing a big role and knows what I can do. I'm looking forward to this, and Fusher, that's capital F-A-S-U-R-E, motivated after what Dallas did. Oh, he's proven those Mavericks wrong. Not that the Mavericks don't have their own set of issues, but come on, man. Again, eight teams. He did have a better number than Jackson Hayes tonight. Okay, cool. Eight (laughs) teams, not a second. Enough enough Christian Wood. Enough Christian Wood. The relevant thing for the Lakers, obviously very rough back-to-back. They get Beat by Dylan Brooks and the Rockets on Monday. Jared Vanderbilt gets thrown out of the game. AD doesn't play in this game Tuesday. They get pounded pretty good by the Hawks in this game. Now they go to Boston Thursday, 
They come to New York to play at the Garden on Saturday. They go to Charlotte on Monday. And then they go home, trade deadline night. They play Denver, followed by New Orleans on a back-to-back. That is a rough stretch of games. The other very relevant moment, another MAC-10 tweet, MAC-10 seed, our old pal, who's a a playing expert if I've ever seen one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, he tweeted video. D'Angelo Russell was at the free throw line, and he tweeted video of fans in in a section next to him chanting, we don't want you. We don't want you. We don't want you, which is the same thing that every coach has ever had Christian Wood chance. <laughs> By the way, the Hawks fans should be careful throwing stones from the glass house. They're, they're not exactly burning up the league. but they did <laughs> you, get... think, you think there'll be some chance when Trey's shooting free throws? <laughs> well, no. But I, the thing about the, about the Lakers is, again, LeBron and AD are playing well, and they are back, but they're back under 500. Mm. And so, Russell was just cooking. Like you had probably the best stretch you ever know. get out of D'Angelo Russell. That's right. He just had three super hot. He did not play well tonight. Yeah, three super hot weeks. And um, <laughs> he didn't play. Over. He didn't. He, he's like, no, no, no. I, I got to tone it down. I don't want to. Do I don't. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to convince the Hawks to <laughs> yeah. trade for me. Yeah. So I, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't know what the Lakers are going to do. I would just say that I don't know how many starting lineups they've used. But none of them have worked. <laughs> Darvin Ham has changed his starting lineup all the time. He is he is just he has kind of refused to go back to the lineup that they used in the playoffs last year. He's used almost every other lineup that they can use and it hasn't worked. And it absolutely drives the Lakers fans up a wall that he continues to play Torian Prince as many minutes as he continues to play. I mean, I, I'm not saying that like if he was using Hachimura as the starting and put LeBron at three that it would make that much Torian of a Prince difference. Torian Prince is shooting 39% from three on a team that can't shoot. What do I'm people telling want you, man, to do? Like, the Lakers gonna... fans are going nuts. Well, Torian Prince playing too much is your problem. It's, it's You got a lot bigger problem. Every once I agree. in a while, fans who comment on social media might not know what the hell they're talking about. I, I think I've got some recent examples that I can show you that are evidence of that. <laughs> um, hey, Lakers still a top six roster, top six in the West. They right, should. Right, no, yes, no, they should. Hey, they should, six, but they top don't. Top six in the Pacific Division? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I stand by that one. Yes, they do have a top six roster in the West, but they're underachieving. Actually, a top six. Top. See, the thing about it no, was they when, don't. I, they, when they I, don't. I said that, <laughs> they don't. the Thunder no. were not in there. The yeah, Bulls were not in say, there. Let me, let me yeah, they, better, they got a better roster. Than, <laughs> let's just do it quick. They got a better roster in Minnesota? No. Denver? Denver? No. Thunder? No. Clippers? No. Suns, no. Suns, no. It's arguable with the Suns. It's I mean, they should have a better roster than the Suns, but they don't. The Suns, you know, the the top two are, you know, obviously the Suns' third best player is better than what the Lakers got. But in theory, the Suns got a bunch of just given all the the Suns got Grayson Allen a bunch of Suns being automatic for you. What about the Pelicans? I don't think. What about the Mavericks? It's arguable. That's arguable. That is, arguable. that is arguable. The the Pelicans are arguable. It depends on what day you ask. Yeah. No, you know what? what? They got a better roster are... than the Pelicans. They got a better roster than the Pelicans. They just they're just not getting it done. I'm, they're not deeper than the Pelicans. The Pelicans actually no. The Pelicans have great depth, but at the top, AD and LeBron. Come on. Yeah, and and Zion is not playing at a star level. And Ingram is doing okay. He's having a, he's not. Le, LeBron and AD are going to be all stars. It does remain the remarkable thing about the Lakers. If you yeah. said to me before the season that LeBron James and Anthony Davis would combine through 49 games to miss nine games. I would have thought they'd be in pretty good shape. And they're, it's not like either of them are having 
down years. They're both playing extremely no, but, they, but they're well. also just available. They've been available yeah, for 95% of the games. They're getting 95% of outstanding play from those yeah. guys, and they still, as a whole, stink, to borrow Bontemps' term. Very technical. USWB, baby. Nobody knows stink like the guy You can't, be saying, that. You can't be saying that anymore after that Christian Wood. Soliloquy. And by the way, you know, Rui Hachimura is I had not to listen playing to, poorly. To Rui Hachimura is playing you know, I know he's missed some games, but Rui Hachimura is he's been playing okay. Like as long as you're looking at guys who are who are you know, on the Lakers roster who are, you know, doing okay. Hachimura, it's not like Hachimura has been terrible. And I know that um, you know, Bontemps always always talks about I know I miss I did try Barkley that. I know Bontemps <laughs> always talks about like how Hachimura caught fire from three point shooting. That's why he got the contract. Well, he's shooting thirty nine percent from yeah. three this year. Sure. And he's averaging more points than he did last year and shooting overall pretty comparable to what he did last just year. Hard, just, it's just hard to figure out how they're a 500 team with a top six roster. And they're not even 500. These great they're under, five, they're under 500. 500. All right. Coming in interesting week till the trade deadline. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. This is the time of year when like hours out of my day are taken up by like what the Jazz might do with Kelly Olenek. <laughs> and no it's a, offense it's to a really Kelly difficult Olenek. life that you have brian it's hey, a really well, difficult just, life jackson i have a request some violin music for <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to collective podcast thank you to jackson thank you to bon Temps and mcmahon thank you for listening we'll be back with these two jokers on friday adios amigos 